0: Welcome to another episode of Just Jerry Live, Plotting Perspectives in Church Life with Todd Bryant
1: and Jeff Short.
0: Long time no talk.
1: You know, it's been a while, but I'm I'm happy to be here. We're starting our third year of Just Jerry Live, and I've got to tell you, you know, the Academy counted us out. Uh, the mainstream media has really just given us no attention. I mean, we've just uh, we've just been counted out at, at every turn, and yet uh, here we are. We're still here.
0: Well, and you know, I, I've had this voice problem for about a month where I just really lost my voice for about three weeks there, and I never thought before Just Jerry that it was possible that a little laryngitis would get me into a tabloid or something like that. I, I owe all of my fame to Just Jerry Live.
1: Uh, you lost your voice for three weeks.
0: Yeah, it was it was pretty rough. I, I was preaching down in South Georgia and it, it had a bad, bad cough down there, and just could not talk for almost three weeks. I was just, you know, shoving air through my voice box wow. trying to get some say. It, it, it's the worst I've ever had for sure.
1: Well, at least that gave Wendy a much needed rest. I'm sure.
0: I think she prayed that it wouldn't come back. <laughs> She wouldn't tell that, but I really do. I, I I mean, she seems so much happier than normal when I don't have my voice. It's frustrating.
1: <laughs> yeah, hard. That's, that's, uh, that's an enigma right there.
0: All right. So last year, we did a top books of 2018 that we read, and we got a ton of interest from that particular uh, program that we did. So we thought we'd do that again as we begin this new year. We've just finished up. You know, reading for 2019, and and all of these, you know, books are fresh on our mind. At least the, the a lot of them are, and it's it probably better do it now than try to do it in April. So, right, we're gonna we're gonna run through our top books by category. Uh, we'll look at fiction, history, biography, self improvement, preaching, and theology or Bible study. But let me let me say this up front. I'm assuming you did, because I know you always do, and I did. I I read the Bible cover to cover last year again. I do it every year, and that is my most influential book of 2019 across all genres. Would you agree?
1: Absolutely. Oh, absolutely.
0: I cannot encourage people to do it more i've I've never known one person that has systematically read their Bible through every year and twenty years into it has not greatly benefited from it
1: Oh absolutely
0: there's also a, a little bit of a question about how we keep up with our books um i I know we both use goodreads, which I cannot suggest more. It is just a great place, not only to keep up with your own books, to, but but see what other people are reading. Is there another way that you keep up with books that you read, or is that it?
1: Well, Goodreads is my primary source. I started years ago uh, keeping up with books that I read on a spreadsheet, and I think before that I probably had a, a written list somewhere, but I, I've tried to find it before. I can only get back to about 2005, so so I don't have complete records, but I've always tried to keep a a record of what I've read.
0: Well, I have not. In fact, I've only really been using Goodreads for. I think this is probably my third year to really use it, you know, regularly. And I wish, like everything, I had been a whole lot more faithful about that because I, I forget things now. Was that a good book? Was that a bad book? And Um, you know, you're just able to keep up with so much on that side. I cannot recommend it to people more. Not only that, let me say this, the, I met a goal last year I'd never read. And, you know, good reads will allow you to set a goal for yourself. And if you're a goal oriented person, some people aren't driven, I guess, by Mm -hmm. goals, but I am. And I wanted to read 50 books last year, which was significantly more than I probably had ever read before. And I ended up reading 61. So wow. I do think goals help, at least if you're a goal driven person. And Goodreads will allow you to do that for, for twenty nineteen. I've actually already put a, a goal of fifty books again in there. I think that's reasonable, especially when you're reading heavy books like theology. That's not like reading a, you know, a fiction book. Right. Speaking of fiction, uh let's let's start with that. What was What was the best book or series that you read fiction-wise last year? I know you read a lot of fiction.
1: Well, I had a little bit of, there's a little bit of a problem, I guess, with picking the top book because actually last year I reread The Hobbit by J.R.R. Tolkien. And that's just always going to be the top anytime I read it. So that kind of uh, pushed out everything else.
0: I'm reading The Hobbit right now. Uh, My youngest gave it to me as a Christmas present this year and you had recommended it to me and I have enjoyed it so far. I haven't been able to read it like I'd like to just with the busyness of the first of the year and everything going on, but I plan to really jump into that soon. And and I've really enjoyed it. I know there's people that are you know they're not huge fans of Lord of the Rings, some folks, and then other people really are, like yourself. I know you love that, but The Hobbit seems to be loved by everybody, and and I, I can see why. I've really enjoyed it thus far.
1: I I really consider it a uh, a masterpiece of twentieth uh, century literature.
0: It is so interesting how he links fiction with nonfiction so regularly through that book uh, <laughs> it, it, it is great I, wendy and i both read the wing feather saga by andrew peterson last year i think yeah. you've read at least most of those books i have i thought that was just a marvelous work of fiction in fact i, I well, there are the four books i think in that saga and i think i flew through those books in less than a month and I we just thoroughly enjoyed those. I cannot recommend those more highly. And and they're good for young readers and old as well.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a great series of books and actually a series of books that got better as it went along.
0: No, I agree. I, I think every book was better than the one prior, which is pretty rare when you're reading a series. So I right. I would I would definitely recommend uh the Wing Feather saga by Andrew Peterson. Okay, so that's that's the lightest one. Maybe we should have stuck that in the middle, just as uh, eating dessert in the in between the meal. But I, I, history. So I, I committed myself last year to reading several history books, church history specifically, and really specifically Baptist history, since I'm a Baptist pastor. I thought that would do me well. That I, I read some other things, but I, I read specifically on Baptist history. And it's hard not to mention John Christian's book, A History of the Baptist, just because it's sort of a standard work, you know, for Baptists. And I was really encouraged by his book because he does a really good job of outlining that all through history, church history, there have been groups apart from Rome, which believed in salvation by grace alone, and immersed, of course, immersion was everybody's practice for a thousand plus years but that also did not believe in baptismal regeneration. And it's really encouraging because Catholics have gotten a hold of church history and make you think everybody was a Catholic a thousand years ago. And that's just, that's just not true. And and I was encouraged. Now, a lot of these groups are widely variant, widely variant. We would not call them all Baptist or Baptistic that he speaks about, but, I was still encouraged to know that those groups are there. I, think, I already believe that going into the book, but that that book just solidified that even more for me. So if, especially if you're a Baptist, I think that's a good book. Um, and it's probably more thorough than any of the other books that I read.
1: Well, I guess when it comes to history, uh, I didn't read any particular uh, church histories last year that I can recall. Um, but one work of history... That really stood out to me. I read "The Devil in the White City" by Eric Larson, and it is—it's um, all about the 1893 World's Fair in Chicago, and which was just a, actually just a, a feat of engineering um, that that actually came together and and happened at all. But um, he intersperses that with the history. of of one of uh, America's uh, worst serial killers during that time as well, so it's a very interesting book. And um, another reason why I picked that up was because uh, Eric Larson uh, is very good in a method uh, referred to as uh, narrative nonfiction. So he's he's telling history, um, actual events, um, but he actually you know he puts the history into. Uh, more of a narrative or story form uh, and does it extremely well. So, so that book was um, informative in a lot of ways and entertaining it was a great read.
0: That's interesting because history and biographies can have both have great information and nearly be unreadable. If the, if the author is not good. Right. And it's just speaking of biographies, uh, that's our next, that's our next subject. What, I know you read several. What was your favorite biography that you read last year?
1: That would probably be a book called Steal Away Home. And that was written by Matt Carter and Aaron Ivey. And it is about Charles Spurgeon and his friendship with uh, an African-American slave uh, named Thomas Johnson, uh, who gained his freedom. Uh, He was... Uh, converted to Christ, he became uh, a preacher. Uh, he was educated at Spurgeon's Pastors College. So it was, um, f- for one, it was just a a story that I really wasn't aware of. I'm I'm not a a Spurgeon aficionado, but I have read quite a bit of his writing and quite a bit about him. But it was really just a side of Spurgeon that I had not seen before, and it was much. Uh, it was just much more personal uh, talking about some of his some of his sickness and things that was that was going on at the time and and from all accounts it it seems that this uh, really was a a very close friendship that developed between Charles Spurgeon and Thomas Johnson so it it was a it was just a fascinating read
0: yeah you know I Spurgeon is just an amazing human anyway uh it's hard not to think he's one of the if not the most influential, at least Baptist of, uh, you know, the 19th century. Remind me, do you have his hands in like some 80 different groups that he helped out with?
1: It, it is a very large number. I, I don't know right offhand exactly, but it's, to be honest with you, w- when you read it, I, I just come away with the sense this just cannot be true. Right. But it is. But it but it just seems how is this possible? I, I but, feel
0: like he did more in six months than I've done in twenty two years. Is
1: well you're probably right about that.
0: I really. I I mean I've been amazed at anything and everything I've read about Spurgeon relative to just how busy he was. Um I read several biographies last year, some better, some were I read a I, I read one that just wasn't good. It was on a particular person. I want to read another one this year because this one just wasn't very good. But it was t- this was a tough choice for me. I read Eric Matox's biography of Luther later in the year, which I thought was really good. He didn't shy away from Luther's problems, which was great. But I really think the best biography that I that I read last year was "God, Greed, and the Prosperity Gospel" by Costi Hinn. Mm. And the reason I say that is not that it was you know four hundred pages of in depth biography by him. It's not a complete biography. It it is needful, though, for our day specifically, much more than that Luther biography is. It is applicable because it deals with the prosperity gospel and everything that's going on behind it. And it really exposed how that particular genre of pastors live behind the scenes. And I, I think everybody needs to read You can read it in a couple days, but it's really, really driving. God, greed, and the prosperity gospel by Costi Hinn, and really, it's just his journey from believing, you know, God is a genie in a bottle to understanding that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Pretty encouraging to see how far God has brought him by by sovereign grace.
1: All right, yeah, that's interesting.
0: Self-improvement. Now, it's at this point that I should mention you made this outline out because you probably read a lot more self-improvement books than I do. I struggle when I'm looking through my my. I need to put more self-improvement books in my list of have read. I really, though every book improves me, I hope, even the fiction books that I read, um, The probably the only book that I read this year that really could be called self-improvement is praying the Bible by Donald Whitney, which I thought was really good. I I have never really considered praying through scripture to this extent. And I I thought it was really good. Uh, Another of those pretty quick, quick reads you could read in a few hours at at most. And it was pretty challenging relative to how much scripture should impact even your prayer, praying the Bible by Donald Whitney.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's good. I haven't, I haven't read that one yet, but
0: you've got it though. I know that because we gave it. I do have it.
1: I do have it. Well, self-improvement, I just consider, I mean, obviously self-improvement is a, I mean, that's a category, you know, like you used to be able to go to Barnes and Noble and that might be a, a, a label at the end of an aisle of books or something, but you know, any book that you, that you pick up intentionally you know, to help you improve in some area, I, I generally consider under this, under this banner. But uh, um, yeah, I read a few, but actually I, th- I think um, the best one was probably a book called Peak uh, Secrets from the New Science of Expertise, uh, written by Anders Erickson. And it's a, it's just a deep dive into um, expertise. In other words, uh, attaining expertise in uh, whether it would be playing a musical instrument, um, memorization, uh, any any really any sort of skill. And so if you have heard of the 10,000-hour rule before, that's probably most likely due to Malcolm Gladwell. He wrote a book, um, I don't know, several years ago now, I remember when it came out, called Outliers. And what he had done is he had come across a decades-old study that it seemed like most people had forgotten about. Um, that was was just looking into, you know, how long does it take to achieve a true professional expertise level at some skill? And in general, uh, it's rounded out to about 10,000 hours, which that mm-hmm. was a fascinating book. A uh, Peak is a deeper dive into that whole concept and basically talking about how that it's not just. 10,000 hours of, of practice or 10,000 hours of doing something, but you've got to be, you've got to be doing it deliberately and you've got to be doing it the right way. In other words, I guess Erickson would basically say you could spend 10,000 hours, um, doing bad practice and you're still not going to be, you know, an, an expert, what have you. So anyway, a lot of, now this book is heavier than Gladwell's. There's a lot of cognitive science and things like that in it, but, um, but I, but I I really enjoyed it.
0: Well, that's, that sounds interesting. I, I you see, that's the kind of books that I know I need to read more of. And then you refer Hobbit, and I'm sitting here Hobbit or that. And, you know, I just I go fiction. Sorry. <laughs> <that's, that's>
1: <laughs> we'll just read them both.
0: Yeah, I, I need to do that. Uh, I, I need to do better at when I have four books going that I read all of them because why I usually migrate over there to the one I like the best. <laughs> But at least I'm reading, you know, I, right. I, you know, both of us try to read several preaching books every year. I just think that's important. Uh, I think we need to be improving our craft and preaching is our craft. So absolutely. Um, I think we need to be looking at it from, you know, various perspectives. No doubt we have read books that are better than others, but I read four or five books last year on preaching. I mean, it would be difficult for me to say what's best. They all were just so different. But I reread H.B. Charles' book on preaching. And I'm just going to throw it out there because it is a good, basic, simple, explanation of exposition that anybody can understand and every preacher ought to read and I was reminded last year of just how good it is and he he's just not wordy uh now again it is not Haddon robinson's biblical preaching it is no, no nothing like that but but it is a good book and I, and I was I was impacted by I'm always uh I- encouraged by some of his little quippy statements too so Right. Anyway, I'll just throw that out there. That was not an easy choice for me, I'll say.
1: Well, that's really the problem with trying to do this, because every category for me, there's usually at least two or three books that I just have a really hard time narrowing down to one. But the preaching books is definitely. In fact, I started to choose Expository Exaltation by John Piper, and you and I both read that book, and I figured that's the one that you would pick. Um, and so I decided to go with one that's not quite as technical as that book, and I chose The Archer and the Arrow, which is a, a very practical book. And like you say, books on preaching uh, oftentimes are just quite different, and so there's just there's just a different level of benefit that you're going to get from them. Um, the Archer and the Arrow is not a technical book. Um, it's, it's not real complex. It's not real long, uh, but it, it is it is very practical. Uh, I think it's, I think it's something that would be helpful to, to every preacher that read it.
0: No, I agree. You know, I don't know how much people know this, but you and I are pretty good friends just outside of just Jerry. We don't, we don't just talk on just Jerry and we share recommendations to books a lot. I read expository Exaltation last year, but I also read the Archer in the era and you're right. That is such a good book. Um, it is easy to understand, short, and 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 would benefit any pastor. Right, I would definitely improve that. Uh, imp- recommend that. I don't know where I got that. So,
1: well, maybe you can. Maybe you can improve me. Yeah, it, uh, I can, I with, can you know, Write it. A, write uh, another version a, or something.
0: Yeah, people are just dying for me to write a book on preaching. Uh, <laughs> how to preach over fifty minutes every week. That's the that's be the name of. It.
1: Well, at least you practice what you preach on it, I guess. You ain't no hypocrite.
0: (laughs) That's exactly right. So lastly, and I know this is the one everybody's been waiting for, you know, we should probably have a drum roll, but we aren't advanced enough to put that in there. Um, Theology or biblical study. Uh, These are the hardest books to read, I think, in this list, because you really have to pay attention when you're reading a book on theology. But... I read and this was at your recommendation. I read He Will Reign Forever by Michael Vlock mm. and it is without a doubt one of the most influential books I have ever read ministry-wise. It is an easy read, but it is a long book. Uh, I don't right. it, it's going to take, you know, weeks to get through it, not days. It's got some 50 five sixty chapters. They're all like fifteen pages. You know, the print's big. It's not it's not a hard read. Vlock is easy to read. He is plain. This is about the kingdom. It's really about biblical theology more than the kingdom, but the kingdom being the main focus of this book. It is it is a great book. And I have recommended it to every pastor that I've talked about, and pretty much nobody has bought it. But any, <laughs> anyway, it's it is it is a book that I have looked back at. So I read it early last year, but I have looked back at it several times as I've been preaching through Luke and Jeremiah and Revelation, I, we, and Psalms. Uh, you know we we've been preaching through all those books, even Genesis, and I have looked back at that book in almost every book that I've preached. It is not only a book, it's a good reference. So right. I cannot encourage people to read that more. In fact, I bought several copies of that book, gave it to both the elders here and several of our Sunday school teachers that were you know, teaching some of the more advanced classes. I, I just thought it would be really good for anybody, but especially those teaching.
1: Yeah, that is an excellent book. I, of course, recommend that widely. You don't get a lot of takers, you know. Uh, I think it weighs about 15 pounds and, um, you know, it's a large sizable book and it just, it's got a, it's got a, you know, a pretty hefty price tag, um, for books. It's usually between 30 to $40 worth to get the print Every book.
0: single penny. And having, having read that book, it's worth a hundred dollars.
1: Absolutely. What about yeah, the- I can't recommend that highly enough, but that was not uh, – I read that uh, a while back, not last year. But, um, you know, the, the theology books typically tend to be denser, longer, uh, more complicated, um, usually slower reading. Um, but despite all that, I actually chose as my top book one that is uh, much more practical, and that is the book Conscience. By Andy Nacelli and J.D. Crowley, um, and it's just a it's just a biblical study um, on the conscience and and what the Bible teaches about the conscience. And while it is a biblical study, it's also very practical and very applicable. Uh, it's a it's one of those kind of books I really think every Christian ought to read. You know, and they do a good job in separating out and distinguishing. Um, convictions and, and different levels of, of choices of, you know, how we're choosing to do things or not do things and, and what have you. So it it is just a, it's probably, probably the best book I've read on the conscience. Um, Christopher Ashe's book is really good, um, but it's much heavier and maybe not quite as practical as what, um, book is. So, uh, I definitely would, would recommend that really just for every Christian. I think it would be beneficial.
0: And people are not reading on that subject hardly at all either.
1: Well, it's it, you don't read on it. You don't really hear a lot about it. And you realize how convoluted that your thinking is on the conscience. And they, they do a good job sorting a lot of that out, helping you think through those issues.
0: No, absolutely. Well, that's a, that's a pretty good list. I, I went through... Uh, my books, as I was trying to pick all these out, and you know, we'd sort of sorted out the different genres that we wanted to talk about, but there was—I still had a couple of books that I still wanted to mention. So I'm gonna—I'm going to make an audible here and give an option for an honorable mention book, and I'll go ahead and go so you can sort of glance back over your stuff. But "What Every Christian Needs to Know About the Quran" by James White really is a great book because we should be seeking to evangelize evangelize Muslim people. I know we aren't. I, I, we aren't doing what we need to do there, but we should be. But you are never going to be able to evangelize a, a Muslim until you know a little bit about some of his arguments. And this book is just amazing as it it displays that the Quran cannot be inspired because it's wrong about things. And specifically, it is completely wrong relative to Christianity. And, you know, people are often taken back about how ill-informed Muslims are about Christianity. Well, it's because the Quran is wrong. That's the reason that they're misinformed. And for the Quran to have error just, you know, takes away from the fact that, of it being inspired, it can't be inspired as error. I really thought that was a great book. And I, I've actually suggested that book to a number of people. What Every Christian Needs to Know About the Quran by James White. And by the way, James White has taken the time to learn Arabic so he could actually read it. So it, this is a book by a guy that's really a scholar on this subject. Right. You got an honorable mention or you just want to leave it where it's at?
1: Well, that's a good recommendation. I The last one that, yeah, I do, I mentioned the book, Call, uh title is Recovered by Robbie Gallaty, and it's, it's just an autobiography um, memoir sort of book. He uh, basically just retells uh, the story of his conversion and grew up as a Catholic in New Orleans and got into drug addiction and alcohol addiction and, and various things. It, it is just an incredible, incredible story. And I would say that he is, I f- I felt like reading the book that he wasn't glorifying or glamorizing sin, but at the same time, he was, he was very open, um, about, uh, his sins and things and how that the Lord saved him. And, and, uh, but I thought he did a good job with that and really, uh, you know, he really did give glory to God for it. He, he made the gospel explicit in the book a few times and. Uh, it, it's an it's an excellent book. It's uh, probably something that could be could be helpful, and and maybe even for those that are dealing with some of those uh, addiction type problems, whether in their own life or uh, in the lives, you know, someone in their family or or what have you, or church. But it, it that was a that was an excellent excellent book. One I I do highly recommend.
0: That sounds great. I, I, it's another another interesting book. Maybe I'm going to have to go with some of your recommendations. Maybe they'll be on my list next year.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully so.
0: Let Let us encourage folks to to read and read widely. Uh, you You need to know a lot about the world. If especially if you're going to be a pastor, you you need to read really widely. If you're going right. to be a pastor, but even as a Christian, you need to be able to know something about what's going on in the world. So, you know, we give you all these genres just to let you know that we're just two pastors that are trying to, to read a lot of stuff and and stay, you know, relative to what's going on in our society. So read, read widely and go to Goodreads and create an account. And If you got Facebook, all you got to do is click one, you know, one thing and you're all you're there. Create right. an account. Give yourself a goal. You'd be shocked at how how well you'll do by the end of the year if you keep up with what you're reading it It will encourage you
1: absolutely Goodreads is a good way also to to keep up with you can make a list of books that you want to read and you can feel free to to follow me on there. You can follow Todd on there and keep up with what we're reading. There's a number of friends of ours that are on goodreads and you know, post about what they're reading. So it is a good place to get recommendations. If you're interested in a book, you look it up and then you can see if any of your friends have read it and you can right away, you'll see, you know, their reviews, what were their thoughts of it. And uh, so it's, it's a very helpful tool.
0: We probably just in hindsight should have emailed Goodreads to let them know we were going to say that so they could be prepared for the influx of accounts. (laughs) <laughs> that will be created here. I, I don't know what their server is like, but I hope we don't shut them down.
1: Well, I I think, um, I think it didn't Amazon buy Goodreads. So that they've probably expected actually, that was probably an anticipation um, of all of the influx they would receive from just Jerry live. So they, so Amazon made that move and I think they upgraded and uh, they've got a lot more storage, a lot more capability now.
0: I am certain that you are correct. Happy New Year, everybody. It's 2020. Read your Bible through. Read widely. It's good to be back again on Just Jerry Live. We hope that you all have an outstanding day.